Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film with the Find Your Film podcast. This is for the week ending, or actually, you know, who knows, starting Friday, August 5th, 2022. This is episode 127. I'm joined by my betters, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perkey. We have different kind of, you know, I actually used a virtual backdrop on, on mine and Eric Holmes, you have an interesting virtual backdrop on yours. You're, you guys, listeners, I'm starting to actually edit the entire entire podcast on video as well. Horribly, you know, horribly so, but you'll actually get to see all our video stuff. So Eric Holmes, not just for our listeners, but for our viewers, is that Stanley Kubrick's 2001 behind you? Or let me guess, Battlestar Galactica for your virtual backdrop? What, what, what do you got there, buddy? Uh, if it took place in hell, yeah. It is. <laughs> it took place in hell. Uh, this might be a hellish podcast. That might be one of the movies we're covering. Actually, Eric Holmes is, uh, you're drinking the apple juice again with our Find Your Film uh, glassware, which you can it find is. our merch, cha-ching. I'm going to put the cha-ching sound effect. <laughs> FindYourFilmPodcast.com for our merch. And Bruce, what, Bruce Perky, Bruce upon the brain. You, what do you have? You have a wedding? Is there, it's scary. You have, you look like you're in a wedding veil in your backdrop with a I know. woman. Like- with a Zorro mask? Me being married is scary. That's a scary <laughs> idea. Look, anybody being married is scary, Bruce Perky. It's, it's a scary proposition, especially from someone like me who has no idea about relationships. Would you, Bruce Perky, from your, from, from your throne of wisdom, would you recommend most people get, get married? Would, would you suggest that a podcaster like Greg Srizavosti, 50 year old bloated Asian movie critic, would you suggest that I get married? What do you think? Or just keep on doing, find your film with you guys. What do you think, huh? Totally should get married, and that should totally be in your bio right there. That's how you should start it out. And just, just. <laughs> what do you think, Eric Holmes? Marriage, or or are we, us three, are we doing too much work on the Find Your Film podcast for me to actually commit to a wonderful woman and have kids? And Or is it, will that cut into our movie, my, my movie time? What do you think? Well, you can cheat on us with other podcasts, but you do not get married. I will be very angry. Oh, okay. You're very- all ours. Okay, so we're we're going back to the wedding veil theme. That it's a black and white wedding veil theme. There is a woman behind you. She looks like she's in a Zorro mask. Bruce Porky, what is going on, Bruce? Upon the brain, is that is that something that you're going to be covering later this week for your box? Are you excited about it? Yes, uh, the box movie is Brand Upon the Brain by Guy Madden, and no, I cannot describe it to you. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, that's it. I just wonder why you you chose. I mean, I, I guess you put the Guy Madden film "Brand Upon the Brain" as one of your selections. Guy Madden is one of Hollywood's or cinema's most accessible directors. Could you find a more innovative director for this week, Bruce? Why do you go for the you know the Russo brothers, John Badhams, Ron Howards of the world with Guy Madden? Why do you do that, Bruce? I you know I I like to keep it like meat and potatoes, you know. <laughs> cheeseburger movies all the time so that's you know that's why i wanted to go with this it's it's living color it's you know 100 280 million dollar movie it's got a lot of action uh, sure, lots of sure. tropes lots of tropes sure 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 guy madden lots of tropes when bruce Berkey says meat and potatoes with brand upon the brain i believe that's the name of the movie he also mentions if the meat and potatoes were in let's say a tin can with robots and spl- mm. slime and spinal spam. fluid spam coming out who knows flowers maybe they're orchids splitting cells splitting together we're going to be covering some really disgusting interesting stuff this week like the movie Tin Can, that that's a movie that is interesting. That the aforementioned Guy Madden film, I love my dad, which I believe Eric Holmes you you considered to be one of the most romantic films you've ever seen in your life. Is that correct? On I Love My Dad, starring uh, Walter, or am I sure, wrong? We'll go, we'll go with that. 
We'll go with yeah. that. You're just going to let me say things like, <laughs> I love my dad was a romantic experience for Eric Holmes. And Prey, Prey, this is a movie that is a, a prequel to Predator. Unfortunately, Bruce Perky, uh, you did not receive the screener link. And, you know, I really did try to fight for you by, by not responding to their emails. So I, I just want you to know that I <laughs> just, no, I'm kidding. My, my problem was I covered myself in mud and I was hiding in a corner and the, the mailman just kept going. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to get it. I, I, we're going to talk a couple of sec, a uh, couple of sentences about Prey, Prey, like what I thought about the movie, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, that's an interesting movie to watch. And there's going to be a couple of recommendations this week. Eric Holmes, you, we're a little bit tired from this morning. I, not, we're not tired. You're tired of seeing me because we spent the morning doing what, Eric Holmes? And make it clean. Make it clean for this podcast. What do we spend the morning doing? Well, I'm not tired of you, uh, because we're married now and, uh, you're the love of my life, but uh, <laughs> we you. did, we did do a quite extensive interview with the, uh, writer director of Slapface, Jeremiah Kip, and it was quite nice. It was both Eric and I are huge fans of Slapface, which is currently streaming on Shutter. It's available on digital VOD and also available recently on DVD as well. He was also talking about a film called Hellbender. We talked about so many things like Samuel Fuller. I mean, I think Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is something, Eric Holmes, that you loved. I saw when he, when Jeremiah Kip mentioned Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, your eyes lit up like me at a, I don't know, at, I, I was going to say something ridiculous like me at some kind of party, but I don't go to parties. But did your eyes light up throughout the entire interview with Kip with all these references? Uh, that I would say if there's one thing I didn't like about him oh. was uh, Uh-oh. when he mentioned Sam Fuller, it looked like you were about to divorce me, and yep. I didn't like that. Okay. <laughs> yes, he mentioned the director, Samuel Fuller. Like, Eric, I love you, but I'm out. We love Samuel <laughs> Fuller. One of, this is a spoiler alert during the end of the interview, actually. By the way, for our Find Your Film episode, there's going to be a separate episode where Eric and I, armed with some really interesting questions from Bruce Perky, where we actually interviewed Kip, Jeremiah Kip, for over an hour, almost an hour. And most of the meat of it will be the actual interview, talking about you know, Slapface, his Indiegogo project, and his other various shorts and filmmaking. But we're going to also cut it because I don't know if I told you this, Bruce, he talks about this, the spoiler stuff, which deals with some of your questions regarding the end of Slapface. So for listeners, if you have, if you've never heard Slapface, you're going to get some really deep dive material on this really wonderful movie that I really enjoyed. Um, Eric Duggett, this podcast is about honesty. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on Slapface. Oh, we're doing that now? Um, I liked it quite a bit. I would say, well, if you're going straight to the rating, I'm probably probably three and a half, four. I haven't quite felt if I tipped over into four yet. I think the ending, I, I almost, well, put it this way. I liked the world. He kind of creates a fantastical world that's very grounded, which is sounds odd. Sounds kind of like op- opposite pieces there. And I don't know what Eric really thinks about this too much either, but to me, it almost felt like... Um, we were in a similar world world to that as Black Phone. You know, we're in that kind of world where it's dangerous to be a kid. It's dangerous from other kids. It's dangerous in the world around you. It's dangerous from adults. It's just dangerous. And that's kind of the setting we're in. And I thought that was really good. And the, the way he sets up the fantastical elements worked really well and were really subtle. And um, I guess the good side of it, the thing I was a little bit disappointed by is actually a testament to it. And that is, I felt like it almost rushed the ending too much. Like I wanted it to flesh out the finale a little bit and actually go a little longer, you know, so, which I don't say about a lot of movies, but in this case, I almost wanted that a little bit more, which is probably why I'm three and a half to four instead of, you know, four and a half or something. But it's, it's a really great, uh, 
little little movie with a lot of heart and a lot of um, darkness. Do you think this is a niche film for people who like horror films or thrillers? Because I found it to be a little bit more expansive. Like, for example, if you are into movies that are dealing with trauma and relationships between brothers, I think it really scores on that level. And that's what I really gravitated towards. Or am I overthinking and and you feel like maybe this really is a niche crew for this movie? Uh, no, I, I don't think you're overthinking. I mean, it's hard to know exactly because someone who maybe isn't into horror at all, when the fantastical elements happen, they might be drawn out of it. But I think it's so strong on the other elements, almost stronger on the other elements, which could go the opposite way, right? Some people want it to be more over the top and fantastical. But I think that the dramatic family, like you said, trauma elements uh, and just uh, living in kind of rural America stuff – is very, very strong. So I think a lot of people could tap into that that aren't necessarily so horror-oriented, you know? Yeah, that's three and a half for Bruce, three and a half to four, that range for me. It's a solid four-star, four out of five-star film. It's a movie I still think about it. I never asked you, Eric Holmes, before we started the interview with Jeremiah, your rating on Slapface. I'll probably hit a four-star too. In fact, um, I think after talking to him, it kind of went up a bit because uh, he pointed out a couple of the things in the movie that I'm like, like just had my jaw dropped. Like, oh, that is that was pretty good. So, um, just uh, I, I think on a rewatch, it'll it'll climb. But right now, we'll go four stars. It, it's really good. I would I would check it out. Speaking Not to derail us too much, but can we quickly mention the actor? I don't remember his name, and I bet you do, Greg August the Maturo, actor. the kid. Well, he's great, but the um, the actor, the older actor, you'll recognize from a million things. He plays Dan Hedaya. Chief. Yeah, I was like so happy to see him. I love <laughs> yeah, that guy so, so much. Good. No, he's the so kids good. are the kid is great. The kid has to hold this movie down, and he does a great job. He does a fantastic, fantastic job. Again, that slap face. Look, also listeners, if you are not a horror thriller fan, if you even do not are not interested regarding our ratings regarding slap face. Eric Holmes, can you speak to the fact that the podcast interview is worth it on an evergreen level as far as storytelling and filmmaking? Don't you think he gave some really interesting insights on the craft throughout our, our interview? Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of the stuff he was talking about, um, especially with the with this process as far as making movies go, I think it applies to anyone doing anything creative. Uh, one, one of my favorite things he was talking about was getting started in in it and uh just the advice of uh dude allow yourself to suck you know that you're you're learning your craft right now so just you know copy who you need to copy uh suck if you're not good and eventually you're going to find your own voice and then when you get to that point now you're going to start to buckle down and try to really take things seriously and i I, I thought that the the whole time i was talking there i was like yep 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 all the yes. yeses. All the yeses. Definitely check out our interview with Jeremiah Kip. We're gonna, it's going to be out here uh, later this week on our Find Your Film podcast feed. Now, my personal advice is if you're not talented like Jeremiah and you don't know anything about craft like Greg Shurzvasti here as I speak to, like myself on, to the third person, what I personally like to do is I like to just siphon off the talents of Anderson Cowan, Bruce Perky, and Eric Holmes. I just drain and suck, suck that milkshake of talent away and all that knowledge and I just make it into one big tin, swirl it in a tin can, I gulp it up, I drink it, and then I create these podcasts. What do you guys think about that? I, I have no talent and I just suck it from all three of you what do you think you, you okay with that you can drink my milkshake any day greg i'm glad it's not a family show you are you okay with the milkshake drinking bruce Berkey? you okay with that 
Uh, I, I think of myself more as a malt. Are you okay with malts? <laughs> I don't, I don't, yes, yes, yeah. Malt, more of a yes. malt guy. Malt. Whether I don't know. I don't know if he's talking like malts from Bi- uh, Bob's Big Boy or malt like in the uh, you know single Scotch malt. So, anyways, classy answer, Bruce Perky. Bruce's Big Boy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Again, I'm glad it's not a family. Oh, speaking of shows and programs, before we get to our main features, again, our main features are I Love My Dad, Tin Can, and the aforementioned. Ray, all these movies. I've been talking just, I've been talking to Eric and Bruce's ear off the last couple of years about just making our findyourfilms.com site a site where we can archive material. And this morning I had a little bit of a mini breakthrough where we are going to start. Look, I told, I pitched Eric and Bruce this morning, we're going to be a little bit of a mini letterboxed. And I don't know if it came through to you guys, but you know, it's not like we can log. 450,000 movies. That's very impossible. But all of the movies we cover under the auspices of the Find Your Film podcast, as well as hopefully maybe starting from this day forward, movies that are coming out on Friday or during the week, we're going to log on our findyourfilms.com website. Look, as much as we love rating the movies, you know, we have to, you have three ratings you can either trust or distrust regarding that. You can find our ratings. For example, our ratings on slap days. You can actually, you'll eventually go to our website and see our ratings. If you don't want to listen to the podcast, you'll say, okay, should I watch it? This is what they think. But we want more ratings. We want ratings from people who listen to the podcast, who are part of our, our uh, cinematics Facebook group, or just people who, if you don't want to be part of our group and just are interested in, ra- in rating these movies, just email us at, and, at info at findyourfilms.com. So once we enter all of these movies, like every single we're going to have all these movies like Slapface or Hellbender. Give me a couple movies. The Steel Helmet. Eric, what, give me a movie. Give me a movie to enter into into our database. Tin Can. A tin Can. They Live. Let's see what Bruce Perky movies that he lo- loves. Sweet Girl. Red Notice. <laughs> uh, yes, Bruce. Look, Bruce is silent. Do you have any other movies? I know you're not uh, Argento. Bell. How about Bell? Because Bell just dropped on HBO Max and everyone's now watching it. So they can go back to it and add their own thoughts. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Yes. Isn't that awesome? Like a, a movie you thought was just going to kind of come and go. And it, it did kind of go for a bit, but it's kind of, you kind of see it coming back a little bit. Yeah, Jeremiah Kip, he just, uh, on his um, Facebook feed, he just recommended the movie that we loved from a couple years ago, Relic. We can add Relic mm-hmm. because we covered it on Find Your Film. So all of these movies will be on our site. You as a listener, or most importantly, the cinephile will go on our site. You can actually rate it, rate these movies on the site. And you can, or if you don't want to actually do it on the site, you can actually email us at info at findyourfilms.com. Give us ratings on movies that we entered. Here's a catch. At the end of every 30 day period, at the end of every month, I'm going to tally up the people who've commented the most on our, on these movies, who've done mo- the most ratings. And that winner, he or she, We'll get a grab bag, like a sort of a, I guess in our version of podcast, mini loot crate of just different stuff. I'm thinking right now, right out the dome, eight eight DVDs or Blu-rays, okay? And then maybe a couple of knickknacks from my, from like maybe movie memorabilia. Eric, Bruce, you have anything else to amend? Is that is that a good idea? Like at the end, the person who comments or rates the most on movies will get like maybe 10 items from us. What, what do you think? Eric, Bruce, want to hear it? I, I, I like it. And I will add a gently used sock into the grab bag. Okay. Well, that well, you know, I, I refuse to do that because uh, that those socks, since we're married, I, I've been having to wash them a lot. And no, you're not going to send the socks. I work really hard uh, to, to wash these socks, Eric. No, no. Right, I'm going to strike enough. that. No, strike no socks. No socks. 
sidelines. No socks. No and, socks. and no shower curtains or shopping carts or carts. Bruce, what do you think? What do you think? Anything you want to amend to this idea? Uh, the only other thing you had mentioned is that Joseph Bridges cannot win it two months in a row. That's what... Right. <laughs> By the way, Joseph Bridges is the... Uh, what is it? I, I, he's, the, he's the king and queen of, of all the cinephiles. And he's really... It's going to be hard to... Listeners, it's going to be hard to beat this guy named Joseph Bridges. He's part of our cinematics Facebook group. I think... Eric, do you think Joseph Bridges has seen almost every single movie that's ever made? You think they're, he's close to that? Is he that's, getting there? It's unlikely that he did, but he's certainly seen a lot of them. All right. So like Bruce said, Joseph Bridges may win <laughs> this month in August. So actually, I think Eric, me, Eric, and Bruce are actually writing our gift bag just to send it Joseph Bridges anyway for August. So forget about August, listeners. But the winners, winners can't win two consecutive months in a row. So if you don't get August, try in September. So more to more to come down the road, but this is something in its it's more than gestation. I'm going to start after we start recording this done recording this part, pro, uh, podcast. I will start putting entries on our findyourfilms.com site. Hopefully it'll be more engagements, some more. This is a this is what Find Your Films about. So we're we're trying to spotlight films that are I love MCU and DCU and all that stuff, but this would be a great resource for cinephiles who really are really looking for an interesting film. So that is our plug from what we're going to do. And let's start with our featured films this week. I'm going to let Bruce start with which one should we cover? I Love My Dad or Tin Can first. Which one do you want to cover first, sir? Um, Let's do I Love My Dad first. You know, I, I'm going to push back on that because, you know, Eric Holmes, it was so, he was got so romantic with this movie and it's so amazing. Also, so beautiful. It's like, he said, it reminded me of Casablanca and when Harry met Sally. And I'm thinking, Bruce... What's, what's going on with Eric Holmes? I love my. Was there any part of I love my dad that was romantic to you? No, no, there was not. <laughs> and that is the correct answer, folks, because I've been completely uh, making things up. I love my dad has the word love in it, and who doesn't love their dad? Hopefully, you guys have had really good relationships with your dad, whether they're here or not. But this is not. Yeah, in a, in a way, this is kind of a love story. In a way, but it's <laughs> Patton Oswalt plays the aforementioned dad. He's the father. And he is a father who essentially catfishes his own son. His son is played by James Morosini. James Morosini is also the writer and director of I Love My Dad. And what's happened is the Morosini character, he, his character, he's a youth who is, he has suicidal tendencies. He's emotionally fragile. He's trying to do his best to put one foot in front of the other. It does not help that his father is a very manipulative SOB. He, he thinks he means well, but in many ways, he's a very unlikable character. You have to make him likable because Patton Oswald is playing the father. So the, the movie deals with how the father catfishes his son vis-a-vis by making up an, an actual girl for his son to fall in love with. And this girl is, even though it's a real human being, he makes up her identity. He copies her, her photos on Facebook. And, and what you have for a lot of the movie is a virtual kind of relationship, fake relationship between the son and this made up girl from this human being from a diner. It sounds kind of weird, but catfishing itself is a weird process. Again, it is written and directed by James Morsini, very good as a son. And obviously, Patton Oswald. if you are a fan of Patton Oswald, this is a very plum role for you to watch. Now, Magnolia Pictures will release I Love My Dad in theaters August 5th and on demand the following week on August 12th. Let's start with you, Eric Holmes, regarding I Love My Dad, romantic kidding stuff aside, what were your honest feelings regarding this movie? I, I love this movie. Um, it was, uh, well, first of all, like Patton Oswalt, his characters or his character is a, he's not a good dad. In fact, he's uh, been absent 
uh, through most of his kid's life. And he's kind of, uh, he's kind of at the point where he wants to, uh, I don't know if he wants to make amends or maybe he just feels bad about it, but it's kind of, uh, he's kind of in a, uh, he's estranged from his kid and he's trying to, uh, get it back. Probably, uh, that, uh, what, what do you call that? Um, narcissistic reasons. And everything he does is probably the worst thing you could do to your kid besides, uh, you know, maybe touching them in certain ways. Um, although, they do have a sexing scene that gets really close to that. It is kind of this movie has this movie's really funny, but it's not. You know when you see something horrible and you kind of do that nervous laughter, kind of like uh, this review I'm doing right now. It's like uh, this really <laughs> this really sucks, and you just kind of laugh at it a little bit. Mostly yeah, just like, we're very uncomfortable right now listening to your review, Eric Holmes. Aren't you, Bruce? Isn't the uncomfortable right now? It's a little bit. Uh... What do you think, Bruce? I, I, I believe they call it cringy. Cringy, cringy. <laughs> we have to also mention Claudia Saluski. She's very good as Becca. Becca is the the waitress in a diner that Patton Oswalt's character, his the character's name is Chuck. Chuck meets her at a diner and then he immediately steals her identity. And she has this Becca become the virtual girlfriend of his son, Franklin. It is a very uncomfortable film. Yes, Eric Holmes, I did interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, that. That is that's fine. Um, also, want to point out Rachel Dratch. Uh, you don't yes. see her in hardly anything. She's really good in this. Um, not. I would like to have her. Uh, I'd like to see her in more kind of dramatic roles. She was kind of uh, a joke factory in this one, but uh, she was a pretty good joke factory. So good on her. Now, this the writer director of this movie. Uh, what what's the name? The, James the, Martini. Yeah, he. So he plays the he plays the son. Yeah. And apparently this is based on his stuff his dad actually did. Yep. Which kind of adds a whole different level to this because this is not like this is one of those movies I'm watching. um, I would normally watch go, okay, this is, you know, this is kind of cringy, but kind of funny, but kind of sad at the same time. And then knowing that this is written and directed by someone who actually went through all this kind of adds a little extra layer of holy shit kind of to it. Um, This is... uh, if you ever seen a big fan also with Pat Oswald, yeah. mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. It, it takes a character that's really pathetic and uh, just a really not great human being and just kind of follows them and maybe tries to understand why they do what they do. Yeah. This is a very difficult movie to describe, um, but I really liked it and it's uh, I hated all this stuff that happened in it. But I was laughing anyway, and I can, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let Bruce take over. <laughs> we, we also have to mention. I, but the, this review is going about as great as uh, Patton Oswalt's uh, parenting. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have to mention Amy Landiger. She plays Diane, the mother of Franklin. And Lil Rel Howery is also good as Jimmy, a supporting player, a co-worker of Patton Oswalt's character, Chuck. In I Love My Dad, I also enjoyed this movie, but it ultimately it is a total cringe factor and it is uncomfortable to watch. I like uncomfortable situations. So it was something that I was actually messaging Bruce and Eric while watching this movie with a couple of lines that I thought were really cool. I really enjoyed this, but there is a barrier to entry. And that is, this is a very specified comedy. Eric liked it. I liked it. Let's see if this goes right up to Bruce Perky's wheelhouse of humor. Does it Bruce or not? It doesn't really. And it's not, because it's not well acted or well, 
performed or the scenes aren't appropriately cringy, which they definitely are. Um, I think it's, well, you're getting at the point, which is where the taste comes in, right? And that is when you have a cringy comedy and a comedy in general, and then on top of that, a comedy where your main, one of your main characters is, is patently <laughs> unlikable, <laughs> you know, then you have to, that it can, can pull you in or not pull you in. And for me, the problem I have is if I have an unlikable character, usually it has to go one of several different ways. Either it's an unlikable character or a pathetic character, and you want to see how they come out of that, right? Or you have a really unlikable character that for some reason is in a position of fooling the world or something, and they're gonna, you're going to kind of watch their downfall. Or you're going to have an unlikable character like Nitram earlier this year, where you're going to watch them... And you're going to be kind of getting a view of something about the world. The thing I didn't like about this one is that the tone is kind of light cringy. Like that's kind of the tone they go for in this, especially with all of the, the, the ghost Becca girlfriend scenes, which are almost like straight up rom-com kind of scenes with the added aspect that it's actually his dad. And then the other part that I really didn't like is the stakes. So the stakes in this movie, no matter what happens, the kid is going to be destroyed. No matter what happens, that's the setup. The setup is, at the best, he's going to be emotionally devastated. And at worst, he's going to just be, he's going to kill himself, you know, and depending on how this plays out. And I'm not going to say how it plays out and what happens. I feel like the guy who this actually happened to should not be the writer in this movie. He should not have written this movie. I think it's like someone written from Stockholm Syndrome. I think he actually (laughs) doesn't understand, even though he presents it. I don't think he understands how terrible his dad was. And his dad, I don't think there is any motives that his dad has as presented that are good. He's he's not trying to get his son back. He's just, he just doesn't want to be out of his life. Everything he does. And he's not unaware of what he's doing. He's aware of what he's doing. People will say like, oh, I hated it. What you did this thing in the past. And he goes, and instead of going like, oh my God, I'm going to learn and not do that again. He's like, oh, I can use that and use that now as a way to do this. And he does. And I, I, I hated, I hated what it was doing to the sun so much that I could not be on board with this movie. I don't want to, I don't want to light the fire, but I think, uh, Bruce, I think Chuck, the dad, didn't he mean well though? Does that count for anything? <laughs> he <laughs> never, he, he never meant well. And I'm not going to say how this ends, but he never meant well in this entire movie. And that was one of the biggest things. He did not have an arc. So the only other point of the movie is either to learn something about society or to watch something good come out of it for the sun. I can't say what happens. They, they throw a bone to that, but it's a very weak. Very good argument from Bruce Perky, a father. Uh, for me, who's just a funkle, I would uh, <laughs> I would just say don't listen to my advice. Well, Eric Holmes, you're a funkle too. So I guess do two funkles equal a dad or not even close? <laughs> It's fun. It, Insights. It, 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 it makes a happily married couple. Oh, it makes it. Well, well. as soon as you clean your socks, everything will be fine. Eric Holmes. Fuzzbund. I love my. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bruce, what were you saying? I thought, are you a fuzzbend? Is that what you are? Fuzzbend. <laughs> a fuzzbend. Okay, so I love my dad. Eric and I both like it. Let's start off with the rating that you're going to give it, Bruce. I'll give it two. Okay. Two stars from I mean, Bruce. It's, it's well made, and it would be a four if I liked if I enjoyed the premise, because it's that good. It's that well done. But I didn't like it. So it's two. <laughs> so. Two stars. I'm giving it, honestly, I'm giving it four stars. I yeah. like the cringe stuff because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I feel like a horrible person giving it four stars. It is a cringy comedy. Eric Holmes, your rating on I Love My Dad. 
I'd have to give this one five stars. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm sorry. Did you say slap? Slap face? What? what? No, oh, no, no. I, I, I love my. In can? Uh, what? what? I, I'm sorry. I have to give it five stars. It, wow, it's, uh, cool. It, it's cringy, but it's also um, just kind of a, a good, I guess, character study, and especially from the point of view of you know j- just who the writer director is. This is uh, a character study of a piece of shit from the point of view from the piece of shit's victim. And I think um, if nothing else, just the curiosity of uh, where that's coming from, I think is worth checking out. That's excellent. You always surprise me with your, your reviews, Eric, in a good way. I was talking about a barrier to entry. Couple that with Bruce's review of, of this film. Do you really think there is a barrier to entry regarding I love my dad? Is there is it a niche audience and are you the niche or do you think it's a lot more broad than um, maybe me and Bruce are kind of painting um, this one? As? Well, cer- certainly if you feel the way uh, Bruce does, uh, there'd be a huge barrier in entry because Patton Oswalt's character is not a good guy. He's a real big piece of shit. And basically it's just him trying not to uh, – basically him tr- – spending the entire movie trying to avoid his own comeuppance. And like Bruce said, the, the best that can happen is that the, uh, the, the son is just emotionally devastated. The worst that can happen is he kills himself and he wrote and directed this. So spoiler alert, that doesn't happen, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. That's, that's not a spoiler. It's not a big spoiler. Yeah. But, uh, uh yeah, the, the, this is uh, basically you're just you're just watching a uh, yeah you're watching a garbage human being finally pay for what he's done. And he's- don't look at me when you say garbage human being again, Eric Holmes. <laughs> I don't like that. Look at Bruce. Okay. I'm gonna try to deflect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is good stuff. And That's awesome. but yeah, to the barrier of entry that. There's there's stuff that gets really cringy, and if you're not in for that, um, this might not be your your cup of tea. Um, but yeah, I re- uh-huh. I, re- I really responded to it. I gave it four stars as well, so it'd be interesting. Oh, Bruce, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you know what I want to see? I want to see in 20 to 30 years now. I want to see this director direct the movie about making the movie and what he thinks about himself making the movie 20 or 30 years ago. Now that's the movie I want to see. We'll be dead by then, Bruce, by the way. So we're not oh, I be won't. To... I'll be half a robot by then. <laughs> okay. Speaking, what a great segue. Here we go. Our next review is a movie called Tin Can. It is in select theaters August 5th, and that's the last thing I'm going to say about this movie. And I'm going to let Bruce and Eric talk about it because no, no, I, no I'm not going to leave them like this. Let me go with, with the synopsis, okay? This is straight from the press release's mouth. Cold, pale, and in the dark, fret. Played by actress Anna Hopkins, she crashes back into consciousness inside a small metal chamber, a.k.a. the tin can, right? Inside herself, Fred attempts to piece together how she was imprisoned as a scientist who was on the brink of discovering a cure from a deadly plague. Fred desperately works to escape her cell to save the last of humanity. This plot synopsis for Tin Can is very interesting. It's directed by Seth A. Smith, and Seth also co-wrote this film. This being stuck inside that cell or the tin can is a major chunk of this movie. But when I say that, 
it's a major chunk of this movie because it is so uncomfortable to watch and experience. And we're talking about cringy and uncomfortable for I Love My Dad. There is going to be a lot of people who will feel extremely, at least from my opinion, from my vantage point, suffocated throughout a big part of this movie. That's the whole construct of movies like this and movies I'm I'm assuming like buried and all that stuff. That's the the pre- that's a trope. But there is a lot more to Tin Can than than meets the eye, than meets the actual plot synopsis. There's a lot of different twists. There's some flashbacks, which is I guess uh, Eric's favorite cinematic device. There's a lot of things going on in this 104 minute narrative. There's a lot to unpack. I'd like to start with you first, Bruce, regarding Tin Can because this is a, this is a movie in theaters August 5th that I think a lot of people will. I'm not, I'm not saying take issue with it'll be hard for a lot of people to watch, but the people who really get on this train will take it to heart, I think, in a good way. So, yeah, uh, yes. You talk about barriers to entry. This one has pretty steep barriers to entry, I think. I think you have to be pretty into experimental slash genre film to probably go down this path or at least have a, a adventurous spirit. But I would say that, yeah, 40. 40 minutes or so into this movie, I, I I think I even wrote down, I felt like it was an endurance test. I didn't know if I could make it. And it's hard to describe. Actually, we have a short little opening before they get to the tin can where it's like the, the regular world and stuff. And they're dealing with this fungal outbreak and it's kind of pandemic-y and stuff. And I'm thinking like, oh, okay, whatever. But yeah, once they're in that can with the main woman... It is so claustrophobic. I mean, it is so close. You feel oppressively – you feel like you're in the can with that person. It's it's weird how they do it, but they really do. And the sound design does it. And just starting out with her just taking various tubes and things out of her own body, it's, it's a lot. It's very, very viscerally uncomfortable. The sound design, it, right? Yeah, the, the sound design. And it just keeps going and going for quite a while and i was like i i don't know man i might have to bail out of this i don't know if i can watch this whole thing and then it it changes and i'm not gonna say what it changes to and i got intrigued and then it kept changing and i got a little more intrigued and by the end of this i i loved it i thought it was like a near masterpiece i i was absolutely blown away by the end of this movie for this underground movie is like uh I mean, I guess Cronenberg and Lynch got into a can together and, and then out came this baby. I don't know what happened, but it's it's amazing. Yes, it is an amazing experience. Uh, I was just thinking, I think Bruce Perkins just has a, just has a thing. Uh, it's partial to Michael Ironside movies because Michael Ironside is one of yes. them. Yes, <laughs> I didn't mention that he's in here. And it, doesn't he mention, well, I, I won't say why he just mentions it, but doesn't he mention something about his arm in this? Like that's the trope about him that he always loses his arms in movies. So there's uh, yes again barrier to entry. I look. That's, I'm so glad you called this a new masterpiece. This is, I, I went through the same kind of experiences as you did. Oh, you know this. I don't even know. I think Eric was mentioning about unpacking the ending, but that's something that maybe um, if we have time today, we can just do a little quick three to five minute explanation regarding the ending if or interpretation regarding that. I, I'm going to be honest. I have a feeling that Eric Holmes absolutely loves Tin Can. Am I right on this assumption or? Who knows? Maybe you might surprise me and say you didn't like it one, one bit. Eric, what do you think? Uh, no, I, that, I love this. Um, the, this started off kind of kind of like Cube. And like Bruce said, it's super claustrophobic. Like all the shots are like really close, like almost like almost like too close to where, you know, it, it, it's uncomfortable to watch. And uh, 
Um, if if that was uh, if that was going to be the entire movie, I don't know that I'd be able to sit through all of it. Uh, which is not a knock on the movie at all. Uh, that's uh, that that's actually uh, the movie doing exactly what it's trying to do in in that moment. And then when uh, when it changes, as Bruce said, I guess we'll we'll talk around that. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely got some David Lynch vibes off of this and Cronenberg vibes. Uh, oddly enough, I got Star Wars vibes from it. And I think I mentioned to you guys, it was like, oh, so this is what David Lynch's Empire Strikes Back would look like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, th- this movie goes in some weird places and it was... Uh, does it pay off? The, the, the weird places, the, is there a payoff in your I, opinion? No, it, it did to me. I, you know... This is this is one of those weird movies because uh, like anytime you bring up uh, David Lynch or David Cronenberg, um, you know, bring up one of the Davids, uh, you have to expect that the movies aren't going to end uh, where you think they might. And sometimes it might get a little too weird for some. But for me, it was, uh, yeah, this was, uh, I, I think Bruce nailed it. This, this thing was a masterpiece and um, just... Uh, it's one of those movies that, that Bruce said near masterpiece. Me. Bruce said near masterpiece. Oh, then I completely disagree. I think <laughs> it's straight up masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, fine. You convinced me. It's a masterpiece. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, it, it it has like it has all the all the best parts of Cube. It's got all the you know best parts of a David Lynch movie and a David Cronenberg movie, and and it's it it manages to be its own thing as a result of all that. Um, and yes, I really dug this a lot. Can we also mention that this could be the best ever pandemic movie? I mean, I guess it's sort yeah. of a pandemic movie. Um, no, yeah. it's not. Uh, oh, really? This was, this was shot. Oh. Uh, this was conceived and shot before COVID. Uh, and I and think then it, it probably created then, COVID. I think this is the creator. <laughs> yeah, you might not be wrong there. Uh, but then I guess I guess hashtag it, lawsuit. <laughs> I, okay. I, I don't. I don't remember the story exactly, but this okay. was basically done well before COVID, and then COVID mm. hit, and then they're like, "Oh, I guess it kind of well." Any similarities is a is a <laughs> purely coincidental. <laughs> purely coincidental, but that that was kind of uh, a, another interesting thing about this movie that it you know it says stuff that's uh, prophetic, like almost immediately prophetic. You know. Okay, so I don't know. This is a compliment, but. While watching this movie, I'm thinking, what would this director do with millions upon millions of dollars at its disposal? Um, or maybe because there's not too much money here, there's just a lot of genius behind the lens. What do you guys think? If armed with all this cash load of money, do you think it's something like this, a masterpiece can – or do you think that, that kind of vision would probably be a little bit – vanilla because this is this is very uncompromising i think in its execution and i think because it's so uncompromising there are a lot of people who will jump off the train when like somewhere like 40 40 to 45 minutes in the movie what do you guys think as far as well if seth got all that money do you think it'll be i I think it'd be something probably similar to christopher nolan where um i think their movies could be crowd like popular um, just because, uh, like, like you said, like here's two hundred million dollars, go make a movie. I think uh, that they could probably come up with a concept that would capture people's attention and be just different enough to uh, maybe uh, garner some hardcore fans in the process. 
Okay. What about, what about you, Bruce? What that kind of I argument? I think I like the idea of t- not telling the person you're going to give them as much money as they need and make them come up with the concept first and oh. then just give them the money. <laughs> and then it would be a real shot in the arm. Maybe not the arm, but a shot in the arm. We'll just say a shot in the arm to the industry. Yes. And it, listeners, if you crave certain appendages in your body, there are moments in this movie. Well, let's just say oh, yeah. uh, you might have a little bit of a dance with your own uh, stomach. You might feel a little bit queasy. Bruce was talking about tubes coming out of bodies. There are people moaning and groaning. Are you? And you're thinking, is Michael Ironside in the middle of ecstasy or is that just blood curdling pain? There's going to be. I've, I've got the perfect description. This right. movie is invasive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> oh, that, that, you're talking about like the, the give this person a huge budget. I agree with that because there could be some very interesting things to come up with. Uh, do not give this person a Marvel movie. <laughs> we do. I thought I, I totally want them to make their money because they, they're clearly talented. Um, this is a, this is one of those voices that need to, uh, they don't need to be bogged down in well, franchises. They I, kind I of made it. This is a Marvel movie, right? If you think about it. <laughs> you know, oh, really? yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, it's part there, of a franchise. I'm just saying is. it there. <laughs> Actually, that, uh, the, speaking of franchise, not that this is a franchise, but we, we talked about Headhunter, where it mm-hmm. feels like this little corner of Middle Earth. Tin Can feels like the little corner of Mad God. Like yes. The, the world yes. of Mad God is like, we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to follow this little I tiny I thought corner. of that. I thought of the exact same thing. You are absolutely right. This is a corner of Mad God. You're correct. That's high praise. I'm get, You know what? I guess I'm going to give it the least praise out of the three. My review of Tin Can is a solid four-star rating. Definitely check this movie out. Again, heed some of the warnings regarding your own endurance test as a movie buff, especially regarding the chamber sequence, which Bruce was really describing in detail. But for me, again, four stars in theaters August 5th, on demand August 9th, and available on home video September 6th. Bruce, what's your rating? Uh, I'm five-star. Solid. Five, five, wow. Okay. Eric Holmes, can you beat that? Uh, six point nine star banger. That's how you beat it. Easy. That's how. Oh, take, take take that, Bruce. You get. I'm gonna raise your five star, and I'm gonna six point nine star bang it. All He's right. Always six point nine me. I just don't know what to do with this. <laughs> okay. And remember, we're married. You're not so. Uh, socks and the cheating is not allowed in our common. You union. said cheating was allowed, just not more marriage. So <laughs> okay. I'm following your rules. Very good. So f- for the final film, we're gonna review Prey. I, I really enjoyed it. It is a prequel to Predator. Four stars. That's my review. Moving forward. So it's on Hulu <laughs> on Friday. That is it. That's it. You know what? I, I really feel bad that Bruce didn't get a link. We could have talked about it more. But the good, here's the good news. We got Tin Can. We got Tin, tin Can really makes up for a lot of things. So this, well, actually, Pray for Me is like a four, a four and a half star thing. But yeah, loved it. Enjoyed it. Whatever. Tin Can. Very visionary. So uh, we'd love to hear what you guys. You know what? We're going to put all three of these movies on findyourfilms.com. Okay, so we, we would love to hear if you actually watch these movies, start voting, beat Joseph Bridges and get our loot bag at the end of the month. I don't know. We're, there's gonna, again, eight physical, eight pieces of physical media and two, two like knickknacks that I've gotten, uh, I've collected over my 30 years as an entertainment reporter journalist. Okay, some, and we're going to actually start unrolling some of these prizes as the month progresses. Bruce and per- Bruce, 
and then Bruce Eric and Perky? Uh, Bruce and Perky, <laughs> Bruce, and, Bruce and Holmes, Eric and Perky. What? What? Eight, there's eight physical pieces of media. Any any uh, Blu-rays, DVDs that you, that you think would be good in this in this box as far as uh, to give them. I'm gonna start actually throwing out some movies. Maybe start thinking about them for for our. Um, Maybe for upcoming episodes, you you guys can pick some of the Blu-rays I have, and we'll. Oh, we'll, I got an idea. As yeah. the month goes on, you can just have a little, little tiny, like two-second video of you just adding something to the box of, that you're going to send out. Very good. <laughs> I love another it. box I, segment. Yeah, I love you it. know, another too many boxes. I yes. put it in the tin can. <laughs> there you go. And and we're going to use some of that sound effects from tin can. That'd be so awesome. Okay, so we're done with our featured reviews. Now let's get to our recommendations. My goodness. There is a movie called Miami Connection that neither me nor Eric saw. Bruce Perky, you saw Miami Connection. Does it have anything to do with Michael Mann? Better yet, does it have anything to do? Yes. Does it, Eric? Oh, no. I was laughing at the joke. Okay. Don't don't laugh at my jokes. You're not funny. Uh, Yeah. So Miami. We're married. Okay. Very good. (laughs) Okay. Miami Connection. Bruce, what is this? Does it have something to do with our podcast brethren as well? Uh, it does. It does. I, I unabashedly watched it because the middle class film class was watching it. So I thought I've heard about this movie forever. So I'm going to give it a try. This is this 1987 movie. It's known as one of the so bad you are going to enjoy it kind of movies, which it is. This is like definitely the higher echelon of that kind of movie. It was made in 1987 um, by YK Kim, who also plays Mark. Uh, he is a member of the band uh, Dragon Sound. And Dragon Sound has is like a new wave, new wave slash very light metal band that plays at this club in Orlando. They have nothing in Miami in this movie. Nothing in Miami. It's all in Orlando. They all they all live together. The whole band, all the band members live together. They all practice Taekwondo together. And because they took over the band spot at this club. The former band uh, from that club has a revenge on them, you know, has wants revenge. So that involves um, a motorcycle gang of ninjas. It involves a lot of things. Uh, this is this is quite quite the amazing movie. So if you like any of those things, terrible eighties cheese, uh, ninja action, bad bands, motorcycles, uh, dramatic. Um, Dramatic discovery that your father exists when you thought that all of the band members were orphans that who live together and always are not wearing shirts. Yes, this is a movie for you. You should watch this movie. <laughs> um, that's about all I can say. Oh, and then the leader of the bad gang looks like kind of like Kenny Loggins. And uh, oh, that's a draw. I like that. Yeah, yeah. He's very, he's very dense beard. Very dense <laughs> Kenny Loggins beard. Uh, very good. There's a lot. There's a lot to laugh at in this movie, and it's just, it's hilarious. It's great. Was it fun? Were they doing a lot of banter? Was Tyler and Joseph and Pete, were they bantering all the way through while watching the movie? Is that, was that yeah, the- and lots and lots of playing of the songs. There's a two or three songs that feature prominently in this movie, and they're, they're all fantastic. And one of them is all about friends, because they're all friends, and another one's all about Taekwondo. It's like... It's great. Is it good. worth a rental or just wait on streaming this kind of movie? It's it's on streaming all over the place, but it's one of those things that is absolutely like a party movie. You know, this, this is 100% the movie you put in when friends are over and you're having a good time. So there could be a great reason to own a copy of this just for that purpose. Um, and it's very, very fun. So And once again, the old three-star banger. I mean, this is everything that a three-star banger should be. Okay, so that is 
versus recommendation. It's Miami Connection. It was reviewed by the wonderful folks over at Middle Class Film Class. Also, Peter Beta will be here to drop the beat momentarily. So that, that'll be really, really nice. We already mentioned another recommendation from Eric and Bruce was a movie called Slap Face, and we already covered that. So we're done with our recommendations this week, unless Eric has some recommendation that he's going to pull out of the, pull out of his hat. Anything that you recently saw, Eric, that we are not covering on Bruce's Google Doc that you want to say or or uh, offer up? Well, we did the uh, we did the hodgepod and I did mm-hmm. the review on on uh, shiitake mushrooms of yes. uh, Baraka, <laughs> which was really good. Um, yes. Immediately after that, I watched uh, I watched uh, Watership Down, and right. uh, that movie is pretty awesome. Uh, and I, re- I I recorded a review, a second review, but mm. by then I was like really deep, and then I just deleted it. I'm like, no, this ain't going out. <laughs> Oh but, wow! Uh, okay, okay. I think I think we may be talking about a movie here in a few seconds that uh, would be a great candidate for another one of those. Oh, another one of those. Okay, and so, maybe I'll and maybe I'll just uh, yield the floor to Bruce on this. Yeah, can I throw yes. a quick uh, mini uh, recommendation in there? Sure. Yeah, of course. What about the short by uh, Jeremiah Kip? Uh, Draw up and stare. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Did you see that, Bruce? Yeah, I did. did okay, so it? yeah, drop and stairs. What was a couple of things that's really cool about drop drop and stare is it stars Michael O'Keefe. Uh, you know, we, Bruce and I we were the same generation. We remember Michael O'Keefe back in the day when he was a he's an A list actor from the eighties and early nineties, and he's he's also he's had a great career. But he plays. It's weird because the short is. How much can you spoil regarding the short? I guess Jeremiah Eric, he, he I, talks I, about it a little bit. I would yeah, just yeah, say. Talk- Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. You were gonna I, say I, I was going to say he he uh, he talked about that a couple times on the uh, on our interview. Uh, so we can spoil it. I, right? I, I haven't seen it, so I I wouldn't know what to spoil or whatnot to what? spoil. You can you can spoil it, Bruce, because he mentioned the the event um, during the interview. So you can spoil well, it. I would just say it's it's interesting. Okay, so it's an interesting discussion of a fire fireman who is kind of living out. You know, it looks like he's – I didn't look where it was, probably rural New York maybe, upstate New York or something. Yeah. But he has some involvement with 9-11. And you're seeing basically just kind of the aftermath of how he's dealing with it. But that's kind of beside the point because what's interesting is to kind of see the parallels between it and Slapface and the way it's filmed and the way it kind of – it's very grounded but also kind of features this this way that he is processing that information and the way that information or that grief and that trauma is kind of coming back to him in, in other ways than it's not just dream sequences, which would be like the obvious way it's d- different. And it, it reminds me in ways and the way that you're seeing things in Slapface as well. So I think, and it's, it's, it's really quite effective for, I don't know, it was about 16, 17 minutes. Would you say? Greg? Yeah. Yeah. No, Bruce, you bring up a good point. And I, I think this goes back to our Slapface discussion and review, um, especially with drop and stare. I think you'd really appreciate it, Eric, but, um, yeah, it's it's one of these things. We're talking about barrier to entries or people or something that you'd really take to. There are things in Slapface and Drop and Stare that the actual uh, the collaborator is the audience member, the, the watcher, because everything, not everything, is spelled out in right. Slapface and Drop and Stare. There are things that we have to. And Eric, he mentioned this to the kind of his aesthetic during our interview. And so, if listeners, if you don't want every if you want everything explained to you and I, there's nothing wrong with that that you might find a little bit of a 
uh, you might be uncomfortable with parts of slap pace and drop and stare. That said, if you like actually being a participant in the story and filling in some of these questions yourself, I think movies like slap pace and the short that Bruce mentioned, drop and stare is very interesting as well. Thank you, Bruce, for that recommendation. We will put the link to drop and stare in our, our episode links for, for this episode. Um, Eric, do you want to say anything? Are you, you good? Oh, no, no. I, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I will watch that tonight. Oh, you're going to watch that tonight. Drop and start tonight. Yeah. Very, yeah very That's cool. the cool thing about shorts. You can just kind of throw them on and yeah. they're in and out. Before you and watch your short, quite great. and some of them are quite great. You know what, what else is also great? You know what's great? What's that? Pete on the skins. So Pete, <laughs> my buddy, brevity aside, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, guys, we're back. We have Brand Upon the Brain. By the way, Brand Upon the Brain, okay? I have no idea what this movie is about. And the reason why I'm pointing to Eric and Bruce is Brand Upon the Brain is a perfect title because when we're mentioning MCU and DCU movies, we must we must genuflect to the gods that be because we need brand we need to build our brand and we need to get monetized so i am throwing this edict we need to cover more comic book driven audience loving films what do you guys say to that huh uh, we already talked about tin can so we're good on that <laughs> okay, yeah okay right bruce you you got a tin, tin can cans part of phase 6 isn't it i think it is <laughs> phase or yeah, nine. Phase. might be phase 9 yeah i can't it's 6 or 9 yeah Okay, well, then that said, well, maybe Brand Upon the Brain is a commercial film. Bruce and Eric, I'm going to leave it up to you. Again, it's directed by Guy Madden. The only thing – look, I've got to find Peter Peta's uh, Greg name-dropping clip from several weeks ago <laughs> because I'm going to name drop. I did interview Guy Madden years ago for a movie called – I think it was called The Saddest Music in the World or something like that. Really interesting person, but – that's all I know about him. Both Eric and Bruce know him way more. His work way more than I do. Bruce, I'm going to yield the floor. Guy Madden, Brand Upon the Brain. Yes, I need to see that movie too. I haven't seen that movie yet. And I've been highly recommended that one that you just mentioned. Uh, I did see My Winnipeg as a box movie about a year ago, maybe. Maybe not quite a year ago. Yeah. So um, so first of all, Guy Madden, Brand Upon the Brain. Very hard to find. I don't think physical copies of this exist right now in an easy way to get. Uh, we might have gone to youtube kind of routes to watch this thing in fact i saw you know how um criterion will have this thing where they have some celebrity come into their little closet and pick out movies guy madden took his own movie because he doesn't have a copy of brand upon the brain <laughs> so there you go um so i don't feel bad about this uh anyway but if you can find it buy it and if you can find a way to watch it maybe criterion channel might be a way to go i have to see if it's showing there right now anyway brand upon the brain Ew. okay okay i'm gonna need eric's help maybe on this one too i cannot help Des you <laughs> Des <laughs> describing okay first of all describing guy madden certain directors we talked about lynch earlier uh wes anderson um certain directors have such a unique and individual style that you just know it's them when you see their stuff. And Guy Madden is one of those guys. The only way I can describe kind of his look is that there's little elements of Lynch. In fact, he even, um, he works with Isabella Rosalini a lot, which is kind of a common thing there. He a lot of, usually films in black and white, I think maybe almost exclusively black and white. He also has a style that's almost like this neo-silent 
but not quite silent movie style that is also a little bit Maya Darren-ish. Yeah. And he does a lot. Uh, he has a lot of voiceover. But, and all of this sounds, oh my God, it's really artistic and experimental, which it is. Very, very frantic, weird collage editing style. But it's got a lot of humor. All of his stuff has a lot of humor. And that's the hard thing to kind of express to people because there's such a barrier entry in the style itself. So artsy, you know, so out there that people are going to just be like, okay, well, it's just this esoteric jumble of stuff that I can't enjoy. And there's just an incredible amount of humor in his work. And that's the kind of one of the first things I want to lead off with. The basic story, quote unquote, of this movie is a Guy Madden guy. His character is returning home after years and years and years to his to the lighthouse where he grew up, which basically leads to a memory. Uh, in fact, I even this a remembrance in 12 chapters. So you have 12 chapters remembering his time when he was a kid there at this lighthouse, living with his mom and dad, and the many orphans that they have. Yeah, that's the whole thing. There's a bunch of <laughs> there's a bunch of orphans there. And then uh then it just goes into surrealistic, crazy uh territory where there might be elements of mad scientists. There might be uh, a fantastical what do they call it, aerophone, where you can, you know, talk over long distances in this little gramophone kind of thing to the other person. And the mom sits in the lighthouse and spies on the kids to make sure they're not doing bad things. Uh there is it's it's <laughs> It's an insane thing. Uh, it's very fun, very frantic, uh, a little bit tiring. There's a little bit much, but the level of creativity is mind-bending and pretty impressive. So this was definitely not a waste of time for you. This was oh no, a real no no no. no okay, no. okay. But it's it, there's lots of barriers of entry. Like you have to go, you have to jump in with both feet and, and be ready. You know, I, I like how uh, like uh, we talked uh, about after blue. And uh, Wild Boys, the Bertrand Mendico, he has kind of a throwback uh, filming style, um, diff- different ones for different movies that he did. And this one certainly uh, feels like a, it could have came from like the you know 30s, 30s or 40s um, uh, silent film era. Think of it, think of yeah, it like called dryer, that kind of like vampire, that kind of thing. Yeah, of that okay. Um, and, and again, like the editing is uh seems a bit anachronistic, I guess, but yeah, it yeah. definitely feels like a Maya Darren movie. Like, if I didn't know better, that that would have been my first thought. Um, that's a good thing, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, well, for us, it is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for others, it'd be like, oh, I'm out. Yeah, um, but uh, I'm just having nightmares of people watching Tin Can based upon our recommendation <laughs> and just I jumping am up having our- fantasies about that happening. <laughs> no, sorry, go ahead. But uh, yeah, much or like Bertrand Clark. Man- don't Mandico, do it. <laughs> uh, much like Bertrand Mandico, Guy Madden uh, really owns the style in this, and it feels authentic to the time. Uh, well, I guess not to the time. It's not you know to him. It, it's it, authentic to him, right? To to his aesthetic. He's true to his vision. It, right? it, it looks. This yeah, looks and sounds sounds like it came from the 30s. And mm. now, see, I saw this on YouTube. The thing that doesn't quite match up is the voiceover. And I I'm kind of curious if the voiceover is actually part of the movie because I've heard a thing. Uh, don't know if it was in the comments or something. Someone saw this movie played somewhere, and Crispin Glover was doing the the narration. 
So wow. I'm wondering if the narration in the version I saw on the YouTube was added to the like it because th- this is this is this is labeled as a silent silent movie. So Maybe. silent movies historically don't have narration in it. Maybe um, he's got a, a silent script and it, it's read live at at the actual screenings see, like that, you would uh like you would the the piano music that that's what that's what that's what i'm curious about because we uh i saw the uh youtube version and i'm wondering if the uh narrations on that are not part of the movie per se but they were put on there for putting on but like maybe if uh, if you watch it um in a theater it would just play without the narration and maybe someone's there doing the narration while the movie's playing. Wait, My Winnipeg be... has a very similar narration style in it too, though. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I guess it, it was the hearing about the Crispin Glover doing the narration because he was not doing the narration. I, and if it, and if he was, he sounds very much like a female in this. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that was just kind of a, a weird thing. And, and it's, it's labeled as a, as a silent movie. So the, yeah, yeah, I don't know. This is very, 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 very extremely experimental. Um, but I think if if you're curious about like the, you know, little weird corners of uh, film, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't check this out. It's, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it certainly certainly stands out. That's for sure. What is both of your ratings on Brand Upon the Brain? Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez, I'm probably. <laughs> Four stars only because uh, at a there is a point where I started to get a little bit fatigued. It was too much all at once. But that's once again that's on a second viewing. It might not because I know what I'm looking for and I kind of go with the ride even more. But it was still really good. So I can say four stars for me. What about you, Eric? You know I'm probably going three star banger on this. Uh, normally we give three star bangers to uh, movies that like most people like almost like guilty pleasures. But this one's like very specific. And if you're into this kind of movie, it's top notch. If you're not into this movie, stay the fuck away because you will hate it. Yes. <laughs> this is also one of those movies like usually we'll say movies like, you know, you need give it a 20 minutes or give it a half hour. And if you like it, stay, you know, if you don't get out. This one's like probably give it five minutes. <laughs> you know? Give it like 13 seconds. Yeah. You don't need to give it much time. If it doesn't work for you in the beginning of that, you're probably not going to go with it. So. Yeah. A lot of women have said that about me over the years. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's a, sorry, folks. That's my version of uh, he said. Now, what, what, that's what she said, right? So I apologize. All right. So that is Brand Upon the Brain. Again, like Bruce Perky mentioned, I looked at Just Watch right now. It is not available. So if you can go, if you're on YouTube one day and this kind of film is interested upon it, you might be interested. You might be able to find it through those YouTube channels. Okay, we will not leave a link for that on our show notes. Just FYI. Go find your film yourself. Yes, sir, Eric Holmes. I was going to say, and if this movie is playing in a theater nearby and Crispin Glover is there to do the narration, go see that version. For sure. For sure. Hashtag, uh, insert Peter Beta name drop. I just remember loving interviewing Crispin Glover several years ago when he said he was raising peacocks in his, in his, uh, in his home. I forgot where he was living at the time, but just, I don't know many people who, who raise peacocks. So just props to Crispin Glover, the, the man, the actor, the thespian, the artist. Okay. So that is it. That is it. We're going to, before we go, we have a couple things. Um, we have a forward promo for next week. Eric, can you reiterate what are we going to be covering next week as far as director spotlights? 
Oh, uh, so we're doing uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, we will be watching Stay or Sleeping Dogs Lie. And I wanted to do Shakes the Clown, but I don't know that that's streaming. So okay. we'll probably do uh, Willow Creek instead. Okay. Um, but if I, I, I think uh, Shakes the Clown, you can rent it for like three bucks. I, I'll probably talk about all of them because he doesn't have very many movies. And I've seen them all and they're great. But uh, for sure, we're going to talk about Sleeping Dogs Lie and either Shakes the Clown or Willow Creek. Probably okay. Willow Creek, though. All right. That, that's going to be really interesting. A, a spotlight on filmmaker, writer, actor. Well, in this case, filmmaker, filmmaker Bobcat Goldthwait. And Eric will have more details as the, the days go by. We're going to be reviewing it next week here on Find Your Film. Any uh, further thoughts? Any thoughts? Are you going to, we're going to close out in a few. Anything from you? Oh, are you going to do a box? Oh, because we're doing a forward promo? Yeah, do we still do a box? I always do a box. I'm just I I have uh, not too much on the brain right now for me, so my bad. Go oh, ahead. What's brand. in the box? You need a brand on that brain. Okay. Brand on that brain. Yes. What's in the box? A tin can is in the box. Yeah, I know. We're gonna have a tin can of our own here. Sounds like going forward. <laughs> All right. What do I got? Uh, it was it was it was suggested by Mitch Daly. I know that much. Oh, Mitch Daly from the Hollywood what the, the Facebook page Hollywood Persona and a member yeah. of our Facebook group. And he's also a contributor to the film vault. Very interesting, wonderful human being. Houston. 2013's Enough Said. Mm, enough Said by Nicole Hollow Center. Yes, Julia Louise Dreyfus and the late James Gandolfini. Very Isn't interesting. that his last movie? It is, I believe. And I've heard about this movie forever and I heard it's good and I've yeah. been meaning to watch it. So, okay. yeah. Cool. Okay, thank you, Mitch Daly, for that recommendation for Bruce's What's in the Box. Final thoughts from you, Eric? Final couple of things you want to throw out there? Um, yeah, go check out Slap Face, check out Tin Can. Holy crap, check out Tin Can. Uh, <laughs> Brand Upon the Brain is on YouTube, so I guess it's fair game. Uh, yeah, dude, we covered some bangers today. It was a, yeah. it was a good week. And yeah, we got, we, we got to really talk, uh, shoot the living, uh, you know what, with uh, Jeremiah Kip. That was really cool, and I uh, wish you were there, Bruce, but you had some really great questions that carried the the interview. Yes, Eric Holmes. I, yes, I love my dad, and maybe you will too. Very good. <laughs> yes, and I loved it too. But again, try to listen to Bruce's review as, of well, as well. Um, keep that in mind regarding whether or not you want to see that movie. Okay, final thoughts. Oh, my final thought is Bruce did... Eric Holmes get the memo from last week when you complimented me on my stash and you still have your stash going with the beard. Did Eric not get the memo because he's now clean shaven and he looks very presentable yes. and clean cut? I actually shaved it last night because you didn't know that this is stash guest. <laughs> yeah, this is what find your stash. We, we're, what's going on here, folks? Bruce, isn't this the thing with like 20 years down the line? We're not going to shave the stash. We're just going to be mustachioed podcasters. Is that the the goal well we'll just have to let him know if he wants to be a sister husband like we've been talking about he's gonna have to get that stash going okay so i will i will make a deal you can throw me all the dirty socks you want uh, okay even with if as long as the stash starts growing back eric holmes what say you sir you okay with uh, that yeah yeah that's fair i, I know you want a mustache right i, I will i will <laughs> Okay, Eric Holmes being so dismissive after we bonded today on the Jeremiah Kip interview. How dare Eric Holmes do that? But uh, to alleviate things, Bruce Perky, final insightful thoughts from you. Well, my final insightful thoughts. Uh, this is only probably going to be appreciated by Eric in a very, um, a very special few. But I have put on my undressing gloves 
and I'm heading over Craig very soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get the reference, folks, but this is scary. This was a very scary show. We will see you next week here on Find Your Film. Thank you guys so much for the support. Bye.